Okay. <laughs> Welcome, church. It's so good to see you guys today. So good. We've got a, a lot of families that are back from Fall Break. Welcome back. Hope you all had a good trip and uh, it's good to see all your faces this morning. And for those of you who are just joining us and um, kind of coming business day, we're going through a series in Galatians uh, and uh, entitled Set Free. Um, and today, the, uh, the specific title of the message is The Gospel Creates Unity. The Gospel Creates Unity. And uh, we're going to be taking a look. The text today is, um, that we're coming up on is Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 16. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, take a look at that today. We're going to read this. So, if you have your Bibles, feel free to open these. This is uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. But when Cephas, this is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men from for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision part of it. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, and not like a Jew. How can we force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified, justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Let me pray for a short before we get started. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your truth, Lord. Father God, I pray that your truth, that your word uh, will just penetrate our hearts this morning. Lord, that your word will just, will just study us as we study it. And, um, Father, you will just give us ears just to listen to the truth of your word. And, um, that the distractions of the day and the week will just follow it, Lord. We can just be in tune with you and what you have to say today, Lord. We love you. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So the gospel creates unity. Uh, folks, this is something that this is so important. It's something that, as a church, you know what? Sometimes we don't get this right. We don't love one another as we should. We're not um, with each other uh, as we should. And I guess I want to just kind of rewind here, too, just kind of um, help bring everybody up to speak here. What was going on in Galatians and the problems um, that was being presented in the book of Galatians? For those of you who have been with us the past few weeks, again, we know that the, in the Apostle Paul's absence, again, he planted these churches in Galatia. And in his absence, there's been these men that have been coming in and trying to kind of pervert uh, or kind of add to the gospel. And again, that they would say that, yes, that they would agree that, you know, um, it, it begins with Jesus and, you know, um, by grace through faith. But they were trying to add to it. And in this case, they were trying to add and kind of add on basically by the Mosaic law, saying that, yes, you know, by grace through faith in Jesus, but you also need, there's something more. We need to do these things. We need to do these things before, you know, to be good Christians, right? We need to do these works. And in this case, it was circumcision. We talked a lot about that. 
Um, and, but they knew that Paul also taught a different gospel, that we are daily accepted and daily approved of by God, regardless of what we do or fail to do, because of what Jesus has done for us, again, by grace, through faith. Again, these men had crept in, and they didn't like this message. Again, they were trying to, to kind of add to it. Um, so, in Galatians, we kind of find ourselves that Paul has to defend um, not only his message, but also his, apost- his apostleship. Um, and we know from the scripture last week, too, that even when he was in Jerusalem with Peter, that they were aligned. That Peter's heart, that Peter knew um, by grace through faith. If anyone, right, it was Peter. We find Peter um, who denied Christ three times on the day of his crucifixion. It had been restored a few days later. Again, not because of something that he had done or performed or done better, um, because of what Jesus had done on the cross. Um, so, here's what we find in the text today that's so interesting, right? And church, listen, this when it comes to issues of identity, and acceptance, inclusion, and exclusion, which we all struggle with daily, Peter was willing to act in a way that was inconsistent with, the, with what he truly believed about the gospel and its implications. And again, even though he knew, and we know this from the previous verses too, like he knew in his heart, he knew in his head the gospel. But um, he acted in, in a way here that there was something better, that there was another way to do this that might have been better. Right? And again, what Peter's actions kind of, you know, are representative, it's our proclivity to hold ourselves aloof from other Christians sometimes who don't measure up in our minds for one reason or another sometimes. And again, Peter's motive might have been a little different in the situation and kind of responsive to peer pressure, but it's indicative of the same root problem. Let's look at this. What we as Christians sometimes we value classing and locating people over the relational implications of the gospel. And folks, the gospel is always unifying. Always. The gospel is always unifying. Again, so Paul's recounting this confrontation that took place uh, between him and Peter and Antioch. And let's just back up real quick too. And, and Antioch, so again, the previous passage, we're talking about you know, some stuff that went down in Jerusalem. And Antioch um, was uh, kind of the main, um, in the first century, it was one of the, the main epicenters. Um, it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Uh, it's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And uh, again, it's one of the main, the early church was just like the, the central hub for the early church and everything else that was going on there too. We find ourselves, we got two of the kind of the, the gnarliest guys. We have Peter and Paul, and they're just clashing here, right? Head to head. And we find this, this happening in Antioch. And, and then Paul writes about it for the rest of Christianity to read for the last you know, 2,000 years. You know, poor Peter. And again, you know, it's important to know that you know, Paul's not writing this to shame Peter. He's not writing this to, you know, whatever. But the main reason that he's doing this is to defend just the integrity of what is at stake here. Um, just the truth, the absolute truth of the gospel. Um, and we know, too, from the previous text that Paul is going to stop at nothing to do this, right? And again, you know, one of the points we may glean from this is, you know, no Christian is above the call to follow the truth of the gospel message and how we live 
and especially how you know in relation to one another. Um, you know, starting in verse eleven, so we back to verse eleven, right, right out of the gates, we got this word, but. Right? There's this huge juxtaposition. Scott, if Scott was here, he'd be getting really excited. <laughs> but, um, then in contrast to Peter agreeing with Paul's message in the previous passage, right? even though Peter knew, again, he knew the gospel, he knew it here, he knew it here, um, there was an inconsistency with his behavior that was going on here. For what he did was very wrong. And again, it wasn't an issue of conviction for him, Action, and not a belief, but behavior. In church, our behavior is not always consistent with our beliefs, is it? Unfortunately, and Paul says, "I had to oppose him to his face." Right? And Paul was willing to con- confront and create Apostle Peter to his face for the truth that was at stake here. Again, because it is what we do not necessarily what we believe, that has the most profound effect. We can say, church, we can say, I love you all day long, I love you, um, but how are we living it out with one another within the body? So, what did Peter do here? Again, it was very wrong. We go back to verse 12, kind of continuing on. When he first arrived, he ate the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. And again, just kind of a, a, just a brief kind of contextual kind of bring everybody in. Um, we have the Jews and the Gentiles. And again, the Gentiles are basically anybody that's not an ethnic Jew, right? So we have the Gentiles, and then we have the, the Gentile Christians. Again, a Christian who's, who is uh, not from the Jewish race, the race. Again, they were not circumcised. Um, they did not observe the Jewish law. And according to Paul's gospel, they didn't have to, right? And again, religious Jews would not generally eat with Gentiles who are not circumcised. There's basically kind of two reasons for this. Number one is the law. And then number two, kind of the cultural value of eating together. And again, with the law, you know, if these, if these Jews, if these ceremonial Jews, they had to eat with these Gentiles, well, they would be just unceremoniously, just unclean. And it would just cause exclusion, right, from um, the religious life of Israel. They had to go through all these hoops concerning the supreme again, which is the big hassle and all kinds of stuff too. And then also eating together, um, and to understand the cultural value of eating together and kind of what's going on in this time frame, again, it's hard for us to understand. This is a big deal in ancient culture. And you get a glimpse of this too. I love this. You get a glimpse of this when um, you know, the religious leaders were appalled with Jesus. When he ate with you know, the prostitutes, with the drunkards, with the tax collectors, with the sinners. Um, and again, you know, Jesus would have been certainly sin and clean. I love this. That, you know, that Jesus was, uh, was doing this. And again, too, you see that eating with someone during this time frame is one of the most powerful symbols of association and identification that was going on here, too. And we don't think of it this way. You know, we eat. I mean, if I see one of you guys and you know, you're coming down the street, it's like, hey, you know, let's go to Tio. Like, all right, let's go. I'm not going to sit there and ask you. Um, okay, what's your ethnic background? Are you ceremoniously clean? Uh, and so forth and so on, right? This is not how we do it. Um, and again, the motivation had to do more with who was in or out according to behavior. Did you observe the law or not? And were you circumcised? Could you prove it? And again, circumcision also touches again on the, uh, the issues of identity, inclusion, and rejection. 
Okay? Um, we want to find an easy way to look and see who's in and who's out. We want to locate ourselves um, in, in relation to others and who our tribe and who our family is, right? And we do this today. Um, and if I saw one of you guys walking down Elkin, you Kansas City, what else happened? I'd be like, yeah! You're my brother! You know, I'd be so excited you're in. I love you! Right? Um, especially after last night with you guys. Like, you know, like, and if, you're, if you're a telemark skier, I love you! You're my brother! Right? We're a dying breed. <laughs> there's hope. Even for us, there's hope. <laughs> But you guys get the idea. We do this. We kind of look at ourselves and just try our family in way that was, right? Um, and the question of identity, and not only knowing who you are, and but who else belongs in your group, and this is okay unless, right, we begin to discriminate those against those um, not in our tribe or in our family, right? We practice inclusion and exclusion according to identifying and identity and identifying factors. And again, for Jews, this was settled. Uh, circumcision just settled identity. Males were circumcised on the eighth day. And it was this outward sign that they had a relationship with God. And I mean, it was supposed to be something so much deeper and so much just a circumcision of the heart, uh, a deeper reality. We know this too. Uh, it's from scriptures in Deuteronomy and Romans. But again, it's so easy that external observances are always easier than the true heart and life transformation sometimes, too. Um, so the reason that certain decisions became sort of that identifying factor for, thing for the Jews is that it's hard to always know, like, who was obeying the law, who was not, who was in, who was out. And again, circumcision was, it was clear-cut, no pun intended. Who was in and who was out, right? And this was a sort of antiquated, wrong, gospel modified thing that Peter was falling prey to in in what we find in scripture here, too. Um, And the Gentile Christians were clearly not circumcised, they're out, okay? Um, In verse 12, when some of when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with a Gentile anymore. He was afraid of, of circumcision from these people who insist on the necessity of circumcision. You guys gotta think how think how hurtful this must have been for these people too, right? I mean, we have here's an Antioch, just the birth of the church and everything that's going on here is so awesome. And we have one of the, the apostles that walked with Jesus, right? We have Peter. You know, I mean, I don't know what these conversations must have been like. Tell us a story. He's like, yeah, you know, Jesus, we're like this, man. You're you're with these guys, too. And then all of a sudden, when his his friends from Jerusalem come, he's like, oh, nope, you guys are done. Can't eat with you guys anymore. Can't associate with you guys anymore. Um, This isn't right. And so you can see how wrong this was. Um, And again, falling to peer pressure for the fear of men. Is functioning purely according to the old rules of exclusion and not the truth of the gospel, which is always inclusion. Uh, he goes on to say, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Yet his actions had an effect on the rest of the body. And this is always true, too. Other Jewish Christians follow Peter's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy um, 
and get kind of bear with me for a second too. When we go to a movie, we go to a show, and we want to be there, right? We want to, the special effects, we want this to bring everything into this. And, and 2,000 years ago, these people went to a play or a show, they didn't have that. They had to use their imaginations. And what they had, they had these little sticks in the face, the actors. Um, and they were called hypocrites. And that's where this first word came from. Um, and the word became used to denote um, not just an actor, but also anyone who was pretending to be someone or something they were not. And someone was playing a part. And here, he was playing a part. His actions did not square with his convictions. And kind of journeying down to verse 14, Peter wasn't being true to his convictions about the gospel. How I freed him from having to do those things. Paul says, I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. The Greek literally means here that we're not walking straightly. The NASB says not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Again, what they were doing, holding themselves aloof from other Christians for no good reason, and refusing to accept and to fellowship people that God had already accepted the fellowship. And this wasn't squaring with the gospel. It wasn't straightforward. It was crooked. It was perverted. It was hypocrisy. Okay? The gospel, when followed, always creates unity among Christians. When there's no division of bickering, or when there is division, when there is bickering, usually a failure to apply the gospel. And the old markers of who is in or out are making the sound. We have all been brought into fellowship with God and one another by the truth of the gospel. In church, what binds us together is greater than anything that could ever threaten to separate us. Some silly disagreement or just division. It's a great fellowship with other believers for no good biblical reason is to deny the gospel and to be a hypocrite. This is a sinful attitude. It's not good. I'm guilty. I've been there. Um, and folks, we all have too. And when we commit this, this, this sin in, in different ways as Christians all the time, this breaking of fellowship, and, and for us, it's not an issue of circumcision so much, but you know, it's kind of things like maybe the style of worship music. Maybe you have this preference for it. It's got to be just you know, organs and hymns and just acoustic, or maybe you're like, man, I gotta have to lift guitars and drums and everything else too, right? Uh, or maybe it's even the lesser things like, you know, how does a Christian dance? How does a, or how does a, does a Christian dance? Um, you know, just these other silly things to dress a certain way. And again, I'm not talking about you know, any, uh, any kind of sinner shit, like a repentant sinner. Again, we might need to draw the line in the sand. Um, and again, you know, Matthew 18 and and again, we're not talking about uh, the core essential truths of Christianity, where again, we need to draw a line in the sand. Um, what I'm talking about here today, too, is kind of a lesser issue, the perspective of preference. That may have been meaningful before, but are nullified by the gospel, right? Again, when we do this, church, we're kind of creating two classes of Christians. And Galatians is so um, just opposed to this too. We go ahead and read on and look at the slide here. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says, um, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you were, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it was not wrong for Peter, as a Jew, to observe the dietary laws. But it was wrong if he did so in thinking that it gave merit before God. And it was wrong if he broke fellowship with other Christians who did not. Right? And there may be, may be certain non-sin behaviors that we can either do or not do according to our own uh, convictions and our understanding of Scripture. But the moment we assign merit to those behaviors and create another class uh, for Christians who differ on those perspectives or preferences is, is wrong. We are not allowing the truth of the gospel. And again, you know, don't get wrong, the birds and the father fly together, and that's good. We have the folks that, you know, they love certain types of worship. We have the people who are still holding on to the King James, and, uh, which is good. I love King James. Don't get me wrong, right? But folks, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. If you're rejecting someone according to their failure to perform, according to what you consider to be good Christianity, right? Then we sin. We fail. And when we do this, we're essentially creating this, again this good, bad Christian dichotomy. And we're doing something that God refuses to do. Making value calls that are no ultimate value to God. Again, hear the words prayers of Jesus in John, chapter 17. He says, I pray that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I am in and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And what achieves this unity is the gospel. We have been set free from it. Worrying about what others think. Folks, and this is the title of it. We've been set free. We've been set free from worrying about what others think. We've been set free from condemnation, shame, and guilt. We've been set free from worrying about whether or not we're circumcised. We've set free from the shame and this fear. And it's only through the gospel that we all receive the Holy Spirit and become children of God. The gospel creates unity and sets us free. And what brings us into fellowship in the first place and binds us together is now way bigger than any differences we might ever have. And it's not enough that we believe the gospel, we preach the gospel, we work to preserve the gospel. We must learn to apply the gospel to daily life relationships. And this is what Peter failed to do in this situation. And again, I'm just going to kind of leave us um, with this prayer today, too. This is Romans 15. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back up, and we're going to um, just kind of respond to the message this morning. I just want to just, just come together and, and just continue just to worship the Lord as one body, as one unifying body this morning, but this is my prayer here too. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other. As is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus, that all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted. So that God 